surname? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Sorry? you look like Patrick. Oh, great. So you were here last year as Apparently well? Apparently so, yeah, I was, yeah. Anyone here last year? Yeah, we've got quite people. a crowd. Great. Okay, so uh, <laughs> do you have a surname? Regan. R-E-G-A-N, not Reagan. Not Reagan. Regan. Get it right. Get it right. Okay, and we just... Um, we're going to go back to that video in a minute, but we want to get to know you a little bit better, if that's all right. So, first of all, most importantly, cheese and onion or ready salted? Uh, ready salted. Oh, who agrees? <laughs> I disagree. Cheese and onion all the way. Um, early mornings or late nights? Late nights. Books or TV? Books or TV? Oh, TV. Oh, easy. What, what, what are you watching on TV at the moment? Um, I just finished Homeland. Oh, I love Homeland. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's Excellent. Pretty cool. Passionate about that. Okay, so what? can you just tell us a little bit of your story? Why are you here? And what's the connection between you and that video we just watched? Yeah, I mean, basically, I started a charity called XLP about 16 years ago. I was a youth worker in a local church. School down the road had a stabbing in the school playground. And so phoned the local church up to see if we could help get the moral fibre of the school up. Um, the vicar didn't really fancy it, so um, sent me as the local youth worker to see what I could do. And I arrived in this school, very different to where I grew up, but basically said, you know what, the local church is about serving and caring about its local community. So what can I do to serve? What can I do to care? Um, this school had 65 mother tongue languages, so it wasn't that the kids were thick or stupid. They actually didn't understand what was being taught. So we started a charity called XLP. We had some huge issues. Kids coming up to me wearing bulletproof vests underneath their school uniform had a kid who got stabbed six weeks, um, six weeks after wearing that bulletproof vest. I met 14-year-old girls who were desperate to get themselves pregnant because they wanted a baby to love and the baby to love them back and they want no man getting in the way. And met a guy called Richard Taylor whose son called Damalola Taylor. I don't know if any of you guys, you're probably too young for this, but he was 10 years old and he bled to death in a stairwell um, about... 800 yards from where I used to live and so we decided it's not for the church just to hang out in its cozy little club that we had to do something and so I found 17 people to give me £25 a month and I started XLP. Wow okay so quite sort of heavy stuff on some levels. Um, yeah. What drives you to keep going with this and to be part of this? Um, I think individual individual lives that I've seen change. And uh, over the, the last 16 years, obviously, XLP's grown a lot. And uh, there's loads of us now. But um, it is individual lives that I just think, you know what? Um, it's really hard work sometimes. Emotionally, it can be really draining. But um, for all the ones that we manage to help, it's worth it. Okay. And for us sitting here today, what can we do? What can we pray for? How can we support you in what you're doing? Um, I mean, I think one thing is... is to really um, get involved in the project. Um, one thing we're doing this year, which is completely different to what we've done at, uh, most years at Spring Harvest, is the mentoring project that you saw there, is we would love to challenge your church to start its own mentoring project. So we would love Ooh. to challenge your church to find five people that are willing to give two hours a week for 12 months to mentor a young person who's just about to be kicked out of school. And this can be in villages, it can be 10 towns, it can be in cities. So we would love it 
if you could go back to your church, and um, we've got some packs that have got free DVDs, and just say to your church leader, you know, is there any chance we could start a project that will mentor kids on the verge of exclusion? Don't smack them around the head of it and tell them they have to do it, because um, church leaders get enough of that. But saying, is there any chance that we could get involved in this? And uh, that would be amazing, because I reckon... It could be amazing. I reckon if we got two or three hundred churches signed up, that's like a thousand kids across this country that are going to start getting some help. So I'd love you guys to think about it. That sounds incredible. And two hours a week, it's not a lot. Is no. it? If you think about how much TV we watch, how much uh, time we spend playing on games or hanging out, two hours a week, it's not a lot. So that's a little bit that we can do and get involved with. It sounds amazing. You've also got a book. Yep, got a couple of books. This is the newest one, No Ceiling to Hope. No Ceiling to Hope. Just tell us quickly, what is this about and where can we get this? Yeah, I mean, you can get it in the bookshop. I mean, basically, um, it's really about looking at some of the big issues in society and, uh, and instead of feeling completely overwhelmed by them, like we can often do, is saying, you know what, I believe that actually there is hope and we can turn things around. And, uh, and it tells you loads and loads of stories about that happening right across the world, um, from places in Africa to places in Trenchtown in Jamaica to back in London. And uh, so hopefully um, it's really, really inspiring and will hopefully motivate you to actually get out there and do it. That sounds excellent because, yeah, we are in a bit of an age where it can be quite bad news on the telly. Yeah. It's quite negative, but we do know a God who is real and can really change communities through us. So that sounds fantastic. Now, you've got some friends with you, right? Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about what they're doing and, and what are they going to do for us now? Shall I introduce them now? Is that, that okay? That would be great. Okay. Um, I'm going to introduce Stephen. Stephen, why don't you come up, mate, and uh, give Stephen a little round of applause. And uh, Stephen and all these guys are young people that have been working with XLP. And uh, Stephen's just going to tell you a bit about his story. So Stephen, tell us what you were like before you had a mentor. Um, hi, everyone. Um, well, before meeting up with XLP, I was the type of young person that was, was always angry. Angry because of the way people looked at, especially young people in the community. I went through a lot of things in my life. And one of, one of my tipping points was when we got evicted from home and... Yeah, so I started committing crime because I thought it was the best way out for me. And teachers in school always used to say things like, you're probably going to be dead or end up in a dead-end job. So, yeah. And I remember um, we went to um, Felton Prison. Yeah. And uh, that was quite an eye-opener for you, wasn't it? It was, man, because, like, I mean, I was able to feel... I felt privileged to be where I was right now because I was able to see one of my friends that I used to say hello to every single day and he was in there. And that lifestyle that he was living, he felt like, yep, I'm happy with that. And I thought to myself, you know, that's not me. That's not the life that I want to be living. And I felt a lot more privileged to be where I was. Brilliant. And so, obviously, tough times were tough, but things have really radically changed for Definitely. you. So what, why? Why the change? I think it came down to two things, having alternatives and having someone wanting to build relationship with you. That alternative came through the work XLP was doing and the relationship came through Patrick Regan himself. Like, I felt like my friendship circle could be changed. I don't have to carry on being with the same people that, I, that was making me do, not making me do, but were influencing me in a certain way. So yeah. So what do you, what do, you do now? So now, so I run the sports for XLP, so I look at ways we could use sports as a tool to influence the life of young people. And I also... 
yeah, in a way, try to become a better role model for my community. Fantastic. And, you know, we've seen um, loads and loads, hundreds of people like Stephen that have made radical choices. And uh, just because they got a mentor, there's this girl called Grace, and uh, she had boundary issues with older guys. She's 14. She has no mum and dad. She lives with an auntie off an estate, off a place called the Old Kent Road. And, uh, and her mentor took her to the gym each week, started mentoring her. A year ago, we had a phone call from the school saying, you know Grace? And we were like, ah, she's been kicked out. They went, no, no, no. We want to nominate Grace for head girl. In fact, today, Grace is deputy head girl at a school. The kid on the video that you saw was Ibu. Ibu used to um, basically last about 10 minutes in class before he just absolutely lost it. Um, he has got the most complex family situation. Um, three months ago, Ibu's dad died. And uh, you know what? He is now doing incredibly well under the circumstances. He's off to college and he just says, I'm going to live to make my dad proud. That's what I'm going to be about now. And he's chosen a completely different way. And the only reason these guys have done it is obviously because of um, the love and compassion of God coming through the mentors, but because someone bothered to give them two hours a week for 12 months. It wasn't rocket science. And, you know, these guys get written off. And I'm sure that you realize that young people in this country, I think what happens is we stereotype them. And I've often said, I'm speaking in the big top tomorrow night, and I say, you know what, what young people need is not to be written off. They need to be listened to and understood. We need to say together that actually we refuse to believe this is a lost generation. If we do the right things, we can see loads of young people, thousands of young people start to make positive choices. Is anyone up for that here at Icecape? Is anyone up for seeing change? Uh, just put your hand, give us a little round of applause. You think that that's true? Give yourselves a little round of applause. Because you are the generation that could really make a difference. Stephen was written off by his teacher, but how did you get in your A-levels in the end? Three A's. You got three A's in his A-levels in the end. So it just takes, shows you. Now, you're going to perform with some of our guys up here. Um, yep. Tell us what's the track about. The song is called I've Got What It Takes, and it's simply about the different situations that I went through in life, and I do have what it takes to make a difference in my life, and that's simply what the song is about. And yeah, so what we've decided to do is donate the money made from this song all back to the work that XLP is doing because they've been such a great help to us. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Give them a round of applause. And you guys, go for it. Fantastic. Um, brilliant stuff. And if you want to um, chat to those guys, they're going to be at the XLP stand later. And uh, these are the packs if you want to go and take. Um, we're hoping that everyone's going to take one of these. Um, give it to your church leader. Give it to your youth leader. That would be good. The other thing to mention, um, these guys um, recorded that track, especially for Spring Harvest, but we couldn't get it up on iTunes on time because of some technical reasons. So we've stuck it on the XLP website which is www.xlp.org.uk. So if you want it, it's 99p and you can download it, um, which is fantastic. And like Stephen said, he's putting all the money back into the mentoring project. So that's, so that's really, really cool as well. They're pretty good, weren't they? Should, do you know how old the drummer was? Am I allowed to say? Uh, the drummer was 12, ladies and gentlemen. So, um, and, uh, so that's a bit... <laughs> fantastic stuff. Well, I want to tell you about someone. I want to tell you about this guy. And uh, basically, when he was young, he saw an incredible amount of poverty. He saw people living in cardboard boxes. He saw people who were addicted to drugs, to alcohol, people who were just drinking their lives away. 
He met people whose lives had been ripped apart by violence. So he moved into an inner city area and he tried to make a difference. He tried to serve the last, the lost and the least. But you know what he did? He made mistake after mistake after mistake. But he still had a passion. So he started traveling to some of the poorest countries in the world, some of the most dangerous places in the world. But he was one of those guys, I don't know if you've met these sort of guys, who sort of get that God really loves them one minute and then the next minute completely and utterly lose it. In fact, he went on to meet prime ministers. He meant to meet the royal family. He went on to meet on some amazing, amazing people. But he suffers from this thing called imposter syndrome. Anyone ever heard of that? Imposter syndrome is basically this. You feel like what you've achieved is just by fluke. You think you're near a bit of a fraud. You think that one day everyone's going to find out what you are really, really like today is that day because I'm talking about myself I want to talk to you tonight about courage and vulnerability you see who here likes Twitter put your hand up if you're into Twitter put your hand up if you're into Facebook put your hand up if you think they're both demonic and of the devil there's two of you. I'm going to sort you out later. That's fine. And uh, well, I was really into Twitter. And when I found out at Spring Harvest that I had to speak on courage, I thought, I know what I'll do is I'll put a simple tweet out. And the tweet will be, what is courage? And all my guys started tweeting back. They really got into it. And uh, the most common tweet I had is, courage is feel the fear and do it anyway. And then my Christian followers, um, they quoted Bible verses at me, you know, Joshua, be bold, be strong, be courageous. It always reminds me of that song you used to sing in Sunday school. Do you remember that one? And uh, don't do it, please. And, uh, and it sort of gets in your head and stuff. And, and I started thinking of these. But then there's this one really, really simple tweet. And it just simply said this. Courage is about allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And then I started looking at the Bible and thinking, well, actually, here we have Jesus, you know, born in a violent country, earthquakes, poverty, famine, dictators, born to a teenage couple, born as a baby that anyone could pick up and hold. He couldn't even control his own bladder. You know, he soon became a refugee on the run in Africa, like many refugees are today. You can't get much more vulnerable than that. And then I start thinking about Jesus in the desert. You know the story? He's on his own. He's isolated. Lack of control. Lack of security. No food. No company. And basically what Satan's trying to do is trying to say to him, you know what? I've got a better way for you to sort this out. Forget training the disciples. Forget suffering. Forget pain. You can have it all now in an instant. All you need to do is chuck yourself off the temple. Turn the stones into bread. Bow down and worship me. And, you know, in our culture, if we're honest, don't we just want everything as a soundbite? Don't we just want everything instantly? There's a psychologist, not to get too heavy on the second night, um, called Brené Brown. And she done years, 12, um, 15 years, researching courage and vulnerability. And she said, I don't know if you agree with her, but think about it. She says, the challenge we all have is we want everything that is uncertain to be certain. We don't like vulnerability. So what we do is we numb ourselves from it. We hide from it. 
But the challenge, she says, is you can't selectively numb emotion. So you can't say to yourself, well, here's all the bad stuff, grief, fear, shame. Um, I'm going to numb myself to that. What you do automatically is numb yourself to all the good stuff, happiness, joy, well-being. And actually what vulnerability is, is about letting your true self be seen. How many of you guys let people know who you really are? what you really think about things. In fact, the Latin word from courage means this. It means heart, to speak your mind with your heart, to tell your story. So the question's got to be, how do you tell your story? How do you be vulnerable when we're all so worried about what other people think of us? Well, the key has got to be to look at Jesus because Jesus demonstrated the kingdom by everything he said and did. You know, he opened himself up to all sorts of accusations and people questioning his integrity. He engaged in eating meals with the wrong people. They had the wrong illnesses, the wrong sicknesses. They were the wrong sex. They were the wrong ethnicity. They were doing all the wrong things. In fact, he earned this title, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. Sometimes in the church, if I'm honest, I think we're friend of meetings, you know, For God so loved the world, he sent another meeting. He sent another committee. He sent yet another thing to go to. And yet actually, the challenge is, is who do we hang out with who's actually different to us? Because I think what we do, what I do, is I love people who I know are going to love me back. I care for people who are going to care for me back. I affirm people who are going to affirm me back. But actually, if you think about it, That's an unconditional love because I know I'm going to get it back. And sometimes, if I'm honest, church youth groups can, dare I say it, be a little bit cliquey. It's really hard because you don't always know who's in the in crowd. And sometimes it's hard to get in there. And I think sometimes we think church is a place to attend. But I think church isn't a place to attend. I think it's a community to be part of. A community that gathers around the cause of seeing people's lives change. If it's not, it's a social club or a self-help meeting. We had a guy um, visit XLP. Um, You may have heard of him. Um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Anyone heard of Desmond Tutu? Put your hand in the air. Um, That's encouraging. And a lovely lady who you may not have heard of called Mary Robinson. And... uh, Mary Robertson used to be the president of Ireland. Now, Desmond Tutu was going to come and visit XLP, but he was going to come at 10 o'clock in the morning. We have these two big double-decker buses that we take onto estates. And um, I was really, really scared and really excited because I was like, really excited. Desmond Tutu is a bit of my hero. But I was really, really scared because at 10 o'clock in the morning, our kids are either at school or in bed. And the ones that are in bed are normally being unemployed for a long time and being kicked out of school. So all my youth workers were going around the estate going, look, can you get up and come? Because this guy called Desmond Tutu's coming. He's really, really well famous. He's like one of the most famous people in the world. And they were like, ooh. And we're like, no, 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 seriously, you've heard of Desmond Tutu? And they're like, how old is he? He's 81. So let me get this straight, right? You want me to get up at 10 o'clock in the morning to meet some 81-year-old bloke from South Africa I've never heard of. Yes. Nah, man, I'm not doing that, man. And then we got really, really, really desperate because I was like, have you heard of Nelson Mandela? And they were like, yeah, I've heard of Nelson Mandela. I'm like, 
he's the next best thing. He's the next best thing. And he's got serious bling. Do you know what I mean? He's like looking the dude, man. And they're like, well, you know, for you guys, we'll be there. So they're all there on my bus looking out. Desmond Tutu arrives in his taxi. And then what he does is he jumps out of the taxi. And you know when old people, bless them, sometimes grab your hand and then they don't let go for ages. Do you know that? And then you're in that slightly awkward moment. Um, he gets out of the taxi, he grabs my hand, and then I'm thinking, I don't know what to do now. So we walk hand in hand <coughs> onto the bus. All my guys are looking at me going, what is this dude doing? Seriously. And we get on the bus, and he starts talking to some of our guys as they talk about unemployment, as they talk about the fact for some of them, because they live in a certain area with a certain postcode, it means they're not likely to get a job. Um, he listens as they talk about the fact that their dad's not there. Um, and this guy, other guys moved into their house. Um, he said that he was dad and he lived there for six months. And then he's bogged off as well. And then another guy's come. Their mum's working multiple jobs, still can't make ends meet. And they feel pretty angry about it. Thank you very much. They feel angry that people stereotype them and walk across the other side of the road because of the way they look. They feel angry because their mate's been stabbed and they can't do anything about it. They feel pretty angry because all this stuff is going on and they've never, never processed it. So Desmond Tutu says this. There were moments visiting XLP. You felt you were being tugged on your heartstrings. You were very close to tears, looking at these young people who could have been going down a cul-de-sac. But then they realize what incredible potential they have when given the chance to blossom. Each one of these kids is a masterpiece. God doesn't create rubbish. Each one of us is special to God. Your name is engraved on his hands. Some of us look like accidents. The most important thing you can do is to remind people, to have the guts, to have the courage, to remind people they're special to God. And there's this one guy on the front row and uh, and on the front row, what I'm talking about, I'm on a bus. Uh, he's there on the bus and basically long hair, unkept. He's been dealing all sorts of stuff. And, uh, and Desmond Tutu does that thing. He reaches his hand out to him and he grabs his hand. And this is not the sort of guy you want to grab the hand off. Do you know what I mean? And he looks him in the eye and he says this. I tell you what you are. You are a VSP. Very special person. He looks her in the eye and says, you're made in the image of God. You have the potential to change this world. You're a masterpiece. You're incredible. And he just keeps going and speaking value over this guy. And I'm amazed at what happens when we speak value over people. And you know this guy? Um, he's still got his challenges. We were talking about him the other day at work. And uh, he's still got his challenges. But he's cut his hair. He's applying for jobs. He sort of walks around the estate going, Desmond Tutu spoke to me. And, you know, he's doing a little bit better. But the reality is, is that sometimes courage and vulnerability, letting yourself be seen, is pretty hard. But you know what happened to me when Desmond Tutu did that VSP thing? Um, I work pretty hard. I'm quite passionate about what I do and I, I do all this stuff. And that sometimes I can get myself really burnt out. And I felt at that moment, as Desmond Tutu said that, I felt God say, yeah, Patrick, that's the way I feel about you. And I was like, what? You're special to me as well. 
And I realize that fear and love are complete opposites. Why do we not let ourselves be vulnerable? Well, let's be honest about it. It's because most of us are scared. We're worried about what others think about us. Fear distorts reality. Love brings it into perspective. Fear can hold you a prisoner, but hope can set you free. You heard that of the Shawshank, anyone seen Shawshank Redemption? That's all it says on the poster, isn't it? Fear can hold you a prisoner, hope can set you free. So how do you show courage? Well, let me read you some verses from Scripture. This is a, a famous um, verses, um, Luke 3, 21 to 22. It says this, When all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he was praying, heaven was opened, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You're my son, whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. And then actually, it was the Spirit of God that drove um, Jesus into the desert. It wasn't the devil, you know that. And, you know, there are three things I think you need to know. Number one is everyone needs a sense of belonging. God said, you are my son, a sense of belonging, a sense of value with whom I love, an ability to cope with life. With you, I am well pleased. The message version says this, you are my son, chosen and marked by my love, pride of my life. And then Jesus, after the desert experience, do you know what it says in chapter 4, verse 14? It says he returns to Galilee completely exhausted. It actually doesn't say that. I, I, I made that up. It says he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I felt as I was preparing for this, there are some people here that saying, you know what? I've done the Christian thing and I am pretty knackered, to be honest. Life is challenging. And it's not that I've backslidden or I think really bad stuff, but I'm just exhausted with it all. I'm just exhausted with life, and I'm not sure that I can keep going. There's a film called Goodwill Hunting. Anyone seen Goodwill Hunting? Um, it's got some famous actors in it. Matt Damon, who's in brilliant films like The Bourne Identity. Um, Robin Williams, not Robbie Williams, Robin Williams, who's in amazing films like uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. And uh, basically, Matt Damon's character and Robin Williams' character, um, Matt Damon's character is this genius kid, um, but he's, he's really troubled, being through all sorts of abuse and all these sort of stuff. And uh, Robin Williams is showing him these pictures of someone who's obviously been abused. And he says to um, him, see these pictures? Do you know anything about this? And he goes... Yeah, I know stuff about that. And he goes, see this? Not your fault. And he goes, yeah, I know. No, he goes, no, 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 you see this? Not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. Walks closer. I know. It's not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. I know. And then he gets really close and he starts to cry and get a little bit angry. It's not your fault. I know. And sometimes with me, I don't know if it's like you, God sometimes says to me, you know what, Patrick? I love you. And I go, yeah, I know. Been to Spring Harvest for the last 16 years. Thank you very much. And he goes, no, I, I love you. I know. He goes, I love you. I know. I love you. I know. Now bog off, I know. And he just keeps coming at me. I love you. Jesus had the courage to show incredible amount of vulnerability. 
when he was in Gethsemane, you know, he cried these tears of blood. Um, you probably heard people talk about them. In World War I, before people jumped over the, um, uh, went over the um, wall to their certain death, these soldiers, the same thing used to happen. They used to cry tears of blood because they knew they were probably going to die. And it was that same courage that Jesus summed up because he loves you and he loves me. When I moved to Peckham, I read a lot about the civil rights movement. And you can go on YouTube and look at these videos. I find them incredibly moving. I just, I just don't get it sometimes. I'm just so grateful for these guys. But basically what they do is they line up men, women, children. And they're going to march for peace. They're going to march for justice. And then the camera pans out. And up there, you can see police with dogs, police with batons, firemen standing there ready to hose them down. And I'm looking at the guys who are just about to march. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Why are you doing it? Are you stupid? You're going to take a battering. Why are you marching? Look, you can see them. They're going to batter you around the head. But they march anyway. And then they start to march. And on some of these video YouTube clips, you see these guys sprawling across the street. You see police coming up to them and smacking them on the head. I remember this one image always stays in my mind. This woman just being knocked to the ground. She picks herself up. She brushes herself down. And she goes again. Why? Because she's got a cause. She's got something she wants to live for. And, you know, she wants justice, not just for her generation, but her kids' generation. She wants justice, not just for her generation, but our generation as well. So she's going to go, even though it might mean suffering. And sometimes I heard this guy on the telly the other night. He said, come to Jesus and all your problems will disappear. And sometimes for me, (laughs) it's been the opposite. I think for the Apostle Paul, it was the opposite. You know, he was doing pretty well until he came to Jesus. Then he got shipwrecked and beaten and imprisoned and stoned. And yet he kept going because he's got a cause to live for. You've got a cause to live for. And this year at Spring Harvest, the whole theme, Be, Say, Do, is about saying to people that we're going to speak value over you because we don't think at the end of time God's just going to get this place and kick it into touch and uh, and it's all going to be destroyed. We think he wants to restore people's lives and relationships right from the the, um, personal to the cosmic. So that means what you do now matters. The choices you make matter. The fact that you want to make yourself vulnerable matters. I'll finish with this. You know, when I was a kid, um, some of you may have heard me say this before, but it sort of gets me out of bed in the mornings. I used to think about heaven a lot. And I used to think of heaven as going to be clouds and lots and lots and lots of singing um, because it's the only image I used to have of heaven in my head, and uh, I thought it was a Christian event, so there'd probably be some quiche there, and uh, and really weak Ribena, you know, when you just, you don't really have much of it, and uh, and sometimes, because there'll be the Christian singers there, you get, they get those Christian singers who stand up and say, God gave me this song, you ever heard of that? And then when you heard the song, you know why God wanted to get rid of it, <laughs> and I thought, you know what, after a while it's boring, it sounds boring. And, uh, but then when I was at Bible college, I studied the book of Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah talks about this wasteland turning into this massive green, lush mountain. And there's a theologian with a great name. His name's called Walter Brigham. And Walter Brigham talks about a thing called the Ministry of Imagination. And uh, so I thought, yeah, let me give this a go. Let me imagine standing in this wasteland. 
and creating you know, this new sense of a new heaven, new earth. And next to me is my mate Kofi. Kofi is actually um, 10 years old. He looks five. He looks five because he throws up after every single meal he has because he's malnourished. And his mum, who's the next photo, is I used to give her money. I thought I was doing pretty good giving her money because um, to look after my mate Kofi, who I saw year after year after year after year after year, about 10 times I've seen Kofi because that's the every time I go to his country. And you know what Bina used to do? She used to spend the money on alcohol. She used to be absolutely plastered every single night. So my mate Kofi just got iller and iller and iller and until one of my friends took him in. But, you know, in my vision of a new heaven, new earth, Kofi's there and he's not malnourished anymore. In fact, he's doing pretty good, thank you very much. And Abina's there because our crazy gap year guys that go every February always go to Abina's house and they talk to her about the love and the compassion of Jesus and the fact that he's passionate about her. So she's there and she's smiling with her gorgeous little daughter called Akusia. And then next to them are the kids that I met in Romania. Kids who are not mentally ill, they're mentally delayed. They're mentally delayed because the moment they were born, they were tied to a cot in a dark room. I met kids that literally walk on their toes the whole time because they're used to just peering over a cot. And you know what? They're completely whole. They're laughing. They're hanging out with my guys from Ghana. Next to them are these ladies. This lady holding a bottle um, phoned me um, about 18 months ago. And uh, she was hiding under her bed. And all I could hear was gunshots flying through the air. And she said to me, Patrick, because she want gunmen to hear her. I want to die tonight, you know. And I mumbled some pathetic prayer because she lives in one of the most violent places in the world. And she won't move out. In fact, I want her to move out. But she says, you know, I'm there to communicate to these other ladies who stand there, who've lost their loved ones to gun and knife crime. I'm there to communicate the love and passion of Christ. And she does. She does it every single day. And she's there. She's there as well with my friends from Romania. Then next to them is a lady that I met in Bolivia. This was the saddest woman I've ever met on planet Earth. I can make most people laugh, but I could not even get a smile out of her. And in the end, I said to her, how do you feed these six-month-old twins and these two other kids? And she goes, I- I'm so malnourished. I can't produce breast milk. I'm feeding them dog food. She's there. The saddest woman on planet Earth has got a smile now because she's going to be healed. She's going to be made whole because everything's going to be restored. And next to them are the kids that I meet in London every single week who we try and create platforms for. Kids who thought they'd never achieve anything. But then some crazy 81-year-old bloke came from South Africa and said, you are a VSP. You're a very special person. You're made in the image of God. So he's there. And all these other guys are there. And we all go legging it up the mountain of God. And when we get there, Jesus is there with the last, the lost, and the least. And there's no pride. And there's no ego. There's no power. Power trips. There's no politics because justice is there because Jesus is reigning again. And for me, that's a better picture of heaven than lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of music and quiche and weak Ribena. But you see, the thing is this. Here's the punchline. Are you ready for it? Are you ready? God's ultimate intentions for human history are his intentions for us now. So what we do, guys, is we have the courage to commit ourselves to the cause, to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to tell our story, and we make a difference. Here's a poem I want to just read you with before we pray. This is a very famous poem. You may have heard of it. 
Um, a 12-year-old wrote this on the wall of a concentration camp. He said, I believe in the sun, even when it's not shining. I believe in love, even when there's no one there. I believe in God, even when he's silent. I believe through any trial, there's always a way. But sometimes in the suffering and hopeless despair, my heart cries for shelter to know someone's there. But then a voice rises within me saying, hold on, my child. I'll give you strength. I'll give you hope. Just stay for a while. Hope is a refusal to accept a situation as it is. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you guys are sort of spring harvest professionals. You've come every year. You've heard a million people like me speak before and you've done it all and, and all that sort of stuff. Or whether you're here for the first time. But you know what? If life is tough, I wanted to encourage you. It is possible. Pick yourself up. Brush yourself down and go again. Make yourself vulnerable. Um, a couple of weeks before I came here, someone sent me this, this video clip. It's a young girl who's had an awfully difficult life. She's only 15. She's been through hell and back. She tells a story. I, I think in the zones, you'll probably be talking about how we tell our stories, how we tell the gospel, which is the story of Jesus, uh, in a creative way. And uh, she inspires me because she's definitely someone who's picked herself up, brushed herself down, and she's gone again. Check this out. Um, bit of footage there, someone who had so much courage to be vulnerable and tell her story. Um, I'm going to pray. If the worship guys are around, if you guys could come back, I'd really appreciate that. Thanks, guys. And, uh, you know, sometimes um, when we get here, we think, well, let's, you know, invite the Holy Spirit to come. And sometimes I think, well, isn't he here already? And I think he is, actually. I don't think um, we can keep him away. But sometimes it's good just to invite him to increase his presence in the place and ask us, ask him to speak to us. So I'm going to do that if that's okay. So what I'd love you to do, just really, really quietly, um, where you are, um, why don't we stand and then I'm going to pray. And then um, we'll see what goes down. Is that okay? Let's just close our eyes. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much that there is hope. We thank you, God, that we can be those people that pick ourselves up, brush ourselves down, and keep going. I thank you that you speak value over every single person in this room. God doesn't create rubbish. That you are a VSP, a very, very special person. And God, I want to pray for people here who need courage, that need more bottle. They know that actually that you're calling them to make themselves more vulnerable. But in reality, they're feeling really, really scared. I pray for people here who feel like sometimes they're on the outside looking in. I pray, God, that they would know that you include them. They are included. If you feel like that sometimes, actually, if you feel like sometimes you're on the outside looking in and you feel like, you know what, I'm not quite getting it. I am not feel a little bit just on the outside of stuff. Just put your hand in the air just so I can see how many of you guys are. Put your hand right up, please. Put your hand right up so I can see. 
I want to pray for you guys. I really do. Particularly some. Can you guys come forward? Just come down to the front. Just make your way down now. Come on. There's loads of you. Don't worry about it. It's all cool. We're not going to do anything weird.